You read the Bible, Greg. You talking to me? I'm a long sample. Keep up. Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Uh, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So what you want? Jesus freaking got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Each and every man under my command owes me 100 net scouts. <laughs> Start see pictures, eh? Oh wow. Thank you for that. Hello and welcome to the Film and Loathing Podcast for Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. This is episode number 106, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up this week, we turn up the heat with our review of Those Who Wish Me Dead. We'll also talk about some other stuff that we watched and whatever else comes up along the way. So, as always, thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Glad to have you with us. How are you guys doing this week? Great. You look it. <laughs> Couldn't be better. Yeah, I'm okay. If it was better, there'd be two of me. Yeah, I'm glad there's only one. We're better all better off for it. What would you do if you like woke up one day and you sprouted a twin? I don't know. Like it was a little, but it was like a little baby version of yourself. I'd probably smother him in his sleep. You wouldn't use it to do magic, like in the Prestige. Probably be like the third thing I did. The first being first smothered. smothered. The second is that he can go to work for me. <laughs> and the third I mean, like, is prestige magic act. That's the thing, though, is that like if you sprouted a twin, like you could easily convince him of because he knows nothing. You could easily convince him about how the world works. I think I would have him like, rob someone for me. But then you would be held liable because you guys look identical. Yeah, yeah the outside. Sell him out. And then I would just continue to go about my life. But what if he sold in reverse sold you out? And then you got a conundrum. I think that plan is flawed. Well, Chris, it's a hypothetical plan about a twin that doesn't exist. Yes. He doesn't. Let's continue to think that, too. I'm not developing one from hair I've stolen from your pillow over the years. Not at all. What would you do with Zach's clone, Chris? Fucking beat the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it alive, but just constantly fucking... Mm. Would you use my twin to practice your NFL street skills so you don't get fucking whooped all the time? No, I would kick the. I would kick. Oh, first off, since he's your clone and/or your twin, slap bet does not apply because it's not technically you. So I would like practice every day, just watch, watch, watch. Ow, Chris, my face is red. I'm starting to bleed. That's okay, Zach. Too. I still have practice to do, and then yeah, I would. I thought just... you. I thought you already practiced on Alyssa every day. Oh my God, I guess that's awful. No. 
<laughs> no way. Oh, man. No way. She kicked the shit out of me. Are you kidding me? I believe that. I believe that she would, too. I believe she could. Okay, how much money would she have to pay you to take a kick to the head from Alyssa? Oh, gosh. 50 bucks? But this is bucks. like... She doesn't have to... Reach, gotta... Her leg doesn't have to reach your head. You have to lay down on the ground, and she just gets to kick you as if your head was a kickball. Oh, fuck. Anybody. That's easily... That's five figures. That's like... Forty thousand figures? Are you kidding You're me, insane. dude? If we're doing kickball style, I'm laying my head like it's on the plate, and she's getting a running start. No, she doesn't get a running start. Hold on, but we're playing by kickball rules. No, your head is just like a kickball. It was an analogy. We're not playing kickball with your head. All right. Um, back of the head, front of the head, side of the head, top of the head. Well, your head will be facing up, so I guess it would be like the side. Fucking shit. Probably like 20k. Are Alyssa's kicking skills that good? I just anybody. You know, like if I'm if I have anybody, if my head is flat on the surface and somebody is literally giving it all they have and punting me in the side of the face, then yeah, sure, dude. 20k seems like a reasonable price. What, you, what would Go you do? Me. What did you do for Rachel to punt the side of your head? Uh, eighty grand. Eighty grand. Oh man, I'd let Rachel do it for like a thousand dollars. I don't think she could kick very hard. I've got a thousand dollars. You so seem to have lane. <laughs> I know what we're doing. It seems like you take everybody's skill level and you like. You know, set it down a couple notches because this was the same guy that said he could take a punch from Ronda Rousey. I still believe that. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure you could. What was defined as taking a punch? I would not like, be knocked out. You're no Ronda Rousey. No, would knock you out. Like no, hands, would. Zach, yeah, hands behind would. his no, hands would. behind your back, yeah, just standing would. there, like chin out, ready to like. <laughs> ever been punched in the face by anybody no okay have you ever been punched in the face by anybody me yeah yeah you've been in a fight before yes what happened someone just punched him in the face dude i don't know maybe he was at like a concert and he got like hit in the face i've been hit in the face before. no okay well if you're counting that then yes but like no one has physically punched me but i've no. been elbowed in the face never been punched ever Accidental elbow is different than being punched in the face. Okay. Never been punched in the face for it. Has accidentally been elbowed, and he can take a punch from Ronda Rousey. Correct. Yes. Drinks. Two <laughs> vanilla Cokes a day. Just bought a, a deck a of magic, magic cards. <laughs> can take a punch from Ronda Rousey in the face. This is quite the baseball stat sheet. Hey, what can I say? What can you I say? can't wait for this to happen. And then she punches me, and I, ob- I obviously fall to the ground, but I'm not knocked out. And then you guys have to be like, well, all right, I guess he can. But more realistic than that, what I'm really excited for is that when I come back to, in August with $1,000 in my pocket and Rachel gets to punch, kick Zach in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
that's funny. I saw a good question on the internet the other day. If you could have, like, no one stat about yourself, or, like, if you there was a baseball card about you, and you had your stats on the back, what's the yeah. one stat that you would want to know? RBIs. No, no, not, like, baseball, but, like... It could be baseball, I guess, but like any stat, you can figure out any number on anything that you've ever done throughout your entire life. The number of Reese's peanut butter cups I've eaten, the number of times I've jerked off. I feel like that one's a given, too. The number of shits I've taken. I would want to know the heaviest shit I've taken. Oh, that's a good one. I feel like weight, it would be more impressive than like quantity. so also the biggest load I've ejaculated, and fluid ounces or like yeah, weight? fluid fluid ounces. <laughs> yeah. And any new listener is gone. It's <laughs> a good question, dude. I think I would want to know what percentage of drinks I buy that I actually finish. Like on average. Yeah. Is that, is that a problem you have? I have a lot of Pepsis that I just throw away. Like full ones? They're not full, but like, you know, there may be a, a quarter full. There's a quarter left. And I'd already been drinking it for two days, so like I was like, I don't want this anymore. So I get a new one. That's a pretty good stat to carry. Oh, man. <sighs> Um, I bet there's got to be. There's, like, other ones that I thought, like, stats that I didn't want to know the number to. Like, how many books I've read. Three. That seems pretty easy to count. That's what I'm saying. You could actually figure that one out. Like, that would be awful. Intro to engineering. Hatchet. I got halfway through intro to engineering. And, oh, can't even count that one. You can't count that one. Although I am halfway through a book now, and I'm and I'm chugging right along. What book is You're it? Halfway it's called to Broke Millennial. <laughs> yeah, basically. Broke Millennial. It's called Broke Millennial. It's about how to get your finances in order. Are your finances not in order? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> No, sir. Let's just say my money is in very weird places. I just what don't does that I... mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave that up to interpretation. Is all of your money in Dogecoin? No, I'm not invested in any cryptocurrency. Is this book about how to remember how to make the minimum payment on your credit card? <laughs> I was just going to say... How can your finances be out of order when you won't even get a credit card because you're afraid of missing the payment? I guess my finances are stagnant. They've reached a point where they're neither growing, but they are shrinking. That's not stagnant, bud. That's called shrinking. Okay, fine. Then my finances are shrinking. (laughs) They're reaching a point where slowly but surely, even with my income, it's going down little by little. Enough to where you wouldn't notice unless you took a look at how much you had in your bank account over the past three months, which I have. Okay, but couldn't there be outliers that are contributing to your bank account not being as high as it was three months ago? Maybe besides, like, an inspection? My car inspection? No. 
okay, I don't have many outliers. Pay, I bought a Nintendo you pay, Switch, I guess, in the past three months. If you pay $400 to get your car inspected, and then you don't save more than what you typically save to make up for that $400 there, that then makes up what you've lost. I didn't spend $400 to get my car inspected. It was a what-if scenario. I mean, that's just a very big what-if. All I'm saying is that my money is decreasing instead of increasing with my steady income and the amount I have saved up. So I'm trying to find a way to make my savings increase. Is somebody, steal, somebody stealing your money? No, I, I'm stealing my own money. Spend less. There you go. I don't know why you need to read a book to figure that out. Because it's not just about spending less. It's not just about creating a budget, which I have a plan to do. These sound like these sound like buzz phrases straight out of this book. Huh? This book sounds said, like a crock of shit. Yes, yeah, so these sound like buzz phrases you're pulling from the book. Whatever, dude. You know what? You guys have your lifestyle. You want to buy Blu-rays out of your ass? Go for it. You want to buy Kino Lorber fucking limited edition <laughs> whatever shit? Vinegar Syndrome is releasing a. 30-minute documentary about Danny DeVito jacking off. You want to buy that? Go for it. I'd buy that. I'd buy that. You're dumb for not buying it. Oh, man. These things only go up in value. You think that Danny DeVito 30 minutes worth of jacking off would go up in value? Yeah, as soon as he dies, everybody's going to want that. Mm. You're right. Some weirdo somewhere would want it, I guess. But I'm finding I'm gonna find a way to make my money work for me. Oh boy! Yeah. It looks like you watched. It sounds like you watched one finance YouTube video, and now you like are starting a finance Instagram account to tell people how to get their finances in check. Mm-mm. So what you guys need to do is you need to buy a house, rent out that house, live in the upstairs, buy a new house. Use your rent from the old house to pay off your new house. This sounds exhausting. I don't want to do that. Okay, this all works in theory, but, like, where's your money coming from to buy your first house? Chris, this is also the worst Sell time myself. fucking ever to buy a house. Why is it the worst time ever? Because pieces of shit are selling for, like, $200,000. Interest rates are at an all-time low, aren't they? Well, that's part of the reason that houses are selling ridiculously high. There's nothing available, and what is available is selling at ridiculously high. I'm People not actually getting... doing this. That was all a joke. That's, like, where all the YouTube videos go for. I don't well, actually believe that. No, I mean, it works in theory, but, like... Sorry. I'm not in, I'm not in that game. I guess yeah, you don't want to make your money work for you. It's very simple. You go to your parents, you get $300,000. You buy a house. Hmm. You rent out that house. And then you start doing everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mom, I need to sell your 2010 Jeep because I have an opportunity for you. <laughs> How far into this book are you? 80 pages. Or, no, I passed that now. I'm at 110 pages. How many pages are there? 240, something like that. Oh, you're you almost there. You have to read the rest of it. Yeah, I do. I've read like the past like thirty pages have been like on how to how to increase my credit score. How do you yes. increase your credit score? Get a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it all comes back full circle. I know, I know. 
So here's the thing. Hmm. So if the book says that you need to get a credit card, if, if you don't get a credit card, aren't you essentially saying the book is wrong and therefore this is useless? Yes. <laughs> which is why, which is why I read the book, right? <laughs> I've seen the error in my ways. I'm not going to fix it, though. <laughs> soon. Don't worry. Soon. Not tonight. Soon. So now he has to read another book about how to properly manage your time so he doesn't card. forget to make the credit card payment that the first book told him that he needed to have. Oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, shoot. So, Chris, what you're saying is that everything you learned in this book, we told you like a year and a half ago. Yes. <laughs> Just You guys only told me to get a credit card, okay? That's only up until this point. I still have a whole more than half a book left. I'm going to learn how to make a budget. I'm going to learn how to uh, fucking do other shit. But we didn't just three minutes ago you said it's not about making a budget. It's about no. other things. I said I'm going to make a budget, but that's not the only thing. Like, do you want me to? Do you want me to read you the title, the chapter titles? Not really. Yeah. No, just your summary is fine. <laughs> Chris, in this book, does it mention? Uh, debt-to-income ratio? I don't know. I'm, I haven't gotten there yet. And, like, one thing that's really bad for your credit score and your debt is your debt-to-income ratio. And when you take out an abundance of student loans, that's really bad for your credit score, which you just did. But I pay off on a steady basis. I've got a pretty decent credit score. I've got a fair credit score. <laughs> I've got an okay credit score. Credit score is a myth. I don't care about it. I'd ask all. you what your credit score is, but I'm, I know you're afraid that someone's going to steal your identity. That hackers will take it based on what your credit score is. It, yeah. It's not It's not like the people that are listening I'm scared of. Dude. It's some other guy who's part of the podcast. <laughs> Do you think I want to be you? What? That'd be the last thing I want to be. You kidding me? All I'm saying is that one day, one yes, day. Yes, I really strive to work at Courtyard Marriott. Whatever, dude. Is that where you and the reason And the reason I can't get a different job that I don't hate is because I need this job so that I can do my homework on the job because I can't do it at home. I do my homework at home. I just go above and beyond. I did very well this year, I'll have you, though. Did you make Dean's list? I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Fucking assholes. You act like I want you to fail. I don't. I just think your reasoning for keeping a job you hate is stupid. It's not a job I hate. I don't hate the job. There are moments where I loathe what I have to do. But it's just moments. Like on an average everyday basis, it's actually not that bad. I enjoy the people I work with. Ultimately, I enjoy what I'm doing. Just those individual moments where I feel like just like shitting my pants right there out of frustration. Hmm. Because no, nobody wants to be around the guy who shits himself. How close are you to shitting your pants? Right now? No, at your job. <laughs> Both. <laughs> it, it, it depends. You know, there we have been days. There have been days where I've been clenching. You know what I'm saying? To keep it from passing the barrier, but I don't. I've never had a job where I was so frustrated I wanted to shit myself. You guys are missing out. I don't think I've ever been so frustrated I wanted to shit myself, <laughs> regardless of the scenario. You've never had, like, frustration poops? No. Wow. 
Okay. I've had nervous shits, but not frustration shits. It's like the same thing, though, right? You get like a, Those are two different emotions. You get a little bit of an upset stomach, you know, and then next thing you know, you're kind of like clenching, and you feel it coming on, but you can't leave at that moment. So the When you were playing you, baseball, did you shit every time you struck out? No. I'll, I'll, my first year of Little League, I only got – I didn't get on base only four times that entire season. Did you stop at Little League? No, I played Junior League for like a year or two, but that was it. Okay, how'd you do in Junior League? Enough times to shit? I almost hit one out. I almost got a home run in Junior League. Really? Yeah, I got it out of the park, but it was just like three feet left of foul Paul. You had the distance. I got one hit in Junior League. The entire year? The entire year. Zach, you had potential, man. You were an all-star in Little League. What happened I, uh, to you? I really enjoyed being the pitch counter, so I just never played. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. Yeah, I'll just count pitches. I don't, I don't really want to play today. So So you got to sit there and just do the clicker and that's it? That's pretty did, much what I did. Did you have to make the notations in their little like bookkeeping book that they had? I did. I did. So you wanted to be the manager, basically, is what you're telling me. I think I was born not to play baseball, but to coach baseball. Mm-hmm. So I was getting ready at a young age. Jake, would you trust your kid on his team? No. No <laughs> one should trust their kid on my team. But that's why they're going to be a champion. Well, see, I think it all depends on the kind of parent. Like, I think if, like... The kind of parent where they're like, I want my kid to play. Make sure he gets in, like, once a game. That parent would do awful with you as the coach. But if the parent was like, I want my kid to, like, succeed. I want my kid to play. And he's going to be great because you're going to be sitting there the entire time just like, you little fucking asshole. You're going to play first base. I don't care if you want to play third, you piece of shit. First of all, when it comes to the draft in Little League, I'm not going to pick players that suck. I don't care if everyone has to be picked. I'm not taking them. They can go on someone else's team. I only want winners. That's what the coach of the Elks did, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They had a great team. They had a great team, like, every single fucking year. I can picture Zach just slugging Code Red and coaching. No way. Zach Zach would play the part. I'm going to chew Redman. I'm going to just beam ground balls at them every practice that's what i'm saying he's gonna play the part he's gonna get like the the short shorts that ride halfway up his thigh i'm gonna get my shorts book like tucked into my shorts it's always gonna be rolled up like a like a fucking paper like a a newspaper and he's gonna tuck it into his shorts (laughs) he's gonna have a he's gonna have a water bottle or like one of those like not clear water bottles that's always gonna be filled with beer instead of water I'll wait till the fifth inning, and then I'll start arguing with the umps and get ejected. He's going to buy a pair of Oakley specifically for this occasion. I'm going to wear a visor. Carry a a flask around so that when you get kicked out, you can just stand off to the side. You can go sit on the benches with the parents and be like, what? I'm not on the field. I'm not on the field. Just spectator. What the fuck are you going to do about it, ump? What are you going to do? I'm going to obnoxiously point out that this is a free country. He's going to go full Randy from South Park. Thought this was America. Thought this was America. 
my gosh. This sounds great. Let's make this into a documentary. Let's do like a uh, a Tim Tim Heidecker. Tim Heidecker as a yeah. league baseball coach. Yeah, well, I'm saying like when he was like running for political office. Let's just like do one of those, and we'll make a documentary on you trying to be a little league coach in Bangor. Be a great coach. I'd like to see it happen. <laughs> coach Jack Mehoff. Hmm. What a guy. Uh. All right, well, if you guys are ready, let's talk some uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, shall we? Sure. Let's see. So Those Who Wish Me Dead is currently streaming on HBO (laughs) Max and is also in theaters, directed by Taylor Sheridan, stars Angelina Jolie, Nicholas Holt, Finn Little, Aiden Gillen, John Bernthal. And plot synopsis is a teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening to consume them all. What did you guys think of those who wish me dead? Um, I was down with it. I liked it. I thought it was a very middle of the road. Somewhat I like the assassins. Ooh, duality going right off the bat. I thought it was cool to see assassins that weren't like doing backflips off of shit and like with super cool like John Wick style fight scenes. I just wanted to see like an average of the road guides, very technical in what they do, which they were very proficient. But why would middle of the road guys become assassins? Like that just doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm I'm saying middle of the road in a sense of like where we've seen assassins throughout like movie history because we've had the assassins that are like John Wick, and then we've had the assassins that are like. I don't know, fucking Danny McBride in a t-shirt or some shit. Like, we've seen the the comedy assassins, but then there's, like, the middle of the road, the guys that you would expect, like, what you would see in real life from what I imagine. That's what I mean by middle of the road. I guess I can appreciate that... You know, Taylor Sheridan grew 300 acres worth of forest just to burn it down. Uh, I guess what? I wish that's a that's a true fact. Yeah, the, all the fires are real fires. They built, they grew a forest to burn it down. What's so what? This movie's been in the works for 20 years. I think he started growing it like I don't remember, but he said he did it practically. So they wouldn't just start, let them start a real forest fire. That's wild. That sounds like a IMDb fact if I've ever heard one. Guys, I've got this great idea. I'm just going to burn an entire forest down for the sake of making a movie. 300 acres worth of forest. Like, I like that idea of, like, the dual... like. Just because you survive one of the things, you might not survive the other thing that is also chasing you. And, like, I just wish that there was more of that. It doesn't It doesn't seem that well utilized. It's like the last 15 minutes are like that. 
but most of the movie is about the assassins, and I, I didn't really care about that stuff. Well, last week we reviewed Stowaway, and I think that was worlds more entertaining than anything Those Who Wish Me Dead has to offer. I disagree. I thought it was an interesting story. I was really intrigued by, like, where they took it. Not, like, where they took it, but, like, the origin of the movie in the first place. Like, where it started, where it was going, and where it ended. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess just none of it really worked for me. I guess my biggest problem is that, like, I think, like, the idea of a forest fire is kind of interesting, but I think how it comes about feels pretty random. And you're so disconnected from any other characters, it doesn't really... F- uh, like, like okay, so, so isn't the whole point of them starting the forest fires that they want to keep the local authorities distracted? Yes. So I feel like that's more interesting or effective if you're actually spending time with local authorities on the trail of these guys and then they have to go deal with a fire. Because, well, like, other. Otherwise, it's like because it would make more sense to me if they like knew where he was, right? This kid in the forest. So then they sent a forest around him on fire to smoke him out. Like that seems like it makes more sense than what currently happens. But they also like heavily establish that this is an area prone to forest fires. So it's almost like you, like you wouldn't need to start one. Like you could have just had one occur naturally. Why do these guys have to start a forest fire? It just seems so fucking extreme. It's not like they can call up God and be like, hey, buddy, like, you really could use a solid right here. Okay, but that, that is or the that magic be- of making a movie, which is like, you could have just said it in a world in which one is already happening. Now, that could be interesting, where these guys are out in the woods chasing in them, and a forest fire happens, and now it's like, oh, shit, like, do we pursue this kid, or do we get caught in the fire? Exactly. That, like That could be interesting. Like you heavily establish that this is a, a thing in this area, but then they have to, like, start one, even though you've already told us, like, how often they happen. And, like... <laughs> like, this, this place where they are, it's got the most insane lightning in the world. Like, they could they could start a forest fire. Come on, come on. I was about to these, say, dude, she has terrible luck. <laughs> these, these hitmen are, like the least interesting part like of the movie like i th- i think they are borderline terrible characters I not like because of their actions but like i mean like poorly like written and like their motivations aren't clear and like because their motivations aren't clear it makes a lot of what they do like you can kind of call it into question whereas if you knew why they were doing things it would clear a lot of this up i guess like i kind of agree with that like a lot of the you spend a lot of time with them, like a lot of time with them. So n- not having a clear picture as to what is driving them doing what they're like, doing. We do not them. know what this kid knows that they don't want him to know. We never find that out. Which we I think is kind of frustrating. We don't know what the dad knew. All almost knew- shit. That, almost shit. That's how frustrated I was. I wouldn't find out. <laughs> <laughs> so like, we establish that the dad thinks he will be targeted next, but we have absolutely no idea why, and that's just supposed to be fine. Yeah, like, I guess I'm all, like, I guess I guess I'm okay with not knowing, 
if the rest of it is just a little bit more interesting and uh, <clears throat> I don't know, a little bit better paced too. I think would help but, a lot. Some of the like, I think I, I guess I'm c- kind of baffled that. So t- Taylor Sheridan directs it, right? I think he has a screenplay credit, so he obviously did some work enough to be credited with it. I mean, this is a guy that wrote Sicario for crying out loud. Like, I can't believe like this thing wasn't punched up a little bit more and a little bit more fleshed out. I so like, I've read interviews with this guy where he's like goes on and on about like the screenwriting process and building a story. Like, I can't believe like that this is the final result of that. I just feel like I have so many questions about why they chose to do certain things. And I feel like almost all of them would be answered if I knew why they needed this kid to be dead. And like if I if I knew what he knew that was so detrimental. So like yeah, for example like justifying to start a forest fire and to like Not only that, but like this the whole scene like we're going to force the sheriff to track this kid. And then he says, We're not gonna kill him. You are. In what universe does the sheriff have any justification to actually track this kid and not just lead you like way the fuck in the woods somewhere? Like how Okay, well he has the justification there because like his wife is in danger and don't they like slam him to the ground and say fucking find him or we're gonna burn but your he, wife? He already says, like, kill me. I'm not gonna help you, just kill me. And so after he says that, and then he says, No, you're going to track this kid for us. Why in the world would they believe that he's there actually going to lead him to where this fucking kid is? And, like, why would he actually lead them to where this kid is if he's fine with dying to protect him in the first <laughs> place? That's definitely a question I had. Like, if he was so hell-bent on just being killed, like, once as soon as they shot, pulled, like, a gun to his head and they were like, he's like, okay, yeah, shoot me, dude. Like, I'm not going to lead you here. Second, okay, and then... Right before they start the forest fire, he literally says, anyone who sees our face, we have to kill. And in the next scene that we see him, they he interrogates the wife and doesn't kill her. Even though she gives him no information that's helpful, he still chooses not to kill her, which makes no fucking sense. Wasn't other that, the... than that they need her later on in the movie for some emotional payoff. Wasn't that the point, though? Like, weren't they trying to, like, get information from her in, in the process and they didn't like kill her because they needed it? There's a super lame throwaway line where he's like, that's how badly I don't want to kill a pregnant woman or something. Like, super lame. And so, like, they're smart enough to know that she gave her husband a code word to let her know let him know that he's in danger, but not smart enough to think that with a hot poker in her face that they're going to stab in her face that she wouldn't make up information to get them to not stab the poker in her face. Like, it just... These characters are so stupid, and, like, they exist completely for just plot reasons to get characters from one point to another. And they serve no other purpose of the movie besides that. And at the end of the day, the movie isn't about these hitmen. It's about Angelina Jolie saving the kid. But yet we spend so much time away from Angelina Jolie and the kid. Well, not only that, like, you learn so little about her that, well, I mean, like... You know, I guess they have like that super heavy-handed thing about her 
like losing children in the fire. So therefore, this is her redemption to save this kid. But what I mean, like, you help side... this kid anyways, regardless. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> One thing I thought was super strange was the scene where they pull over on the side of the road, the kid and his dad, and he gets out and is like petting the horse, right? So in my head, I'm like. Okay, this is pretty random. Like, a horse must, like, come into play later. And then the woman... Fast forward, later on in the movie, John Bernthal's wife is walking through the garage. She passes on the four-wheeler. She passes on the dirt bike for the horse. So then I'm like, oh, okay, here's the time. We're going to see some connection here. Nope. I don't understand what the thing with the horses were. I didn't think there was anything with the horse. Why did we waste four minutes of screen time with him and a horse if there was no payoff, ultimately? I don't know. Just chilling, dude. This movie is a mess, Chris. I disagree. I enjoyed myself. It is a mess. I mean, it might be a mess, but I still had fun. How? Nothing happens until, like, the last, like, 20 minutes. I don't know. I just enjoyed, like, the intro, definitely, because that seemed like a really fun time. The middle... The, the intro. Yeah. Not like the intro. Not, okay. Not like the big forest fire where, like, the three kids burned to death. No, no, but, no like, not that, like, I thought the introduction to this world was terrible. I thought it was kind of it's enjoyable. So, it's also, like, really terribly edited, where, like, so, like, you have this moment of, like, tension and suspense where the dad is, like, driving the kid away from school because he knows that it's very obvious that that's where these mercenaries would go. And we cut right from him, like, speeding away from the school to this graduation party. And then we have all this fun and at the graduation party, and Angelina Jolie is just kicking back as one of the guys. And then we cut immediately back to the mercenaries, like, busting into his house, and we're still... The music as if we were supposed to have kept that tension from when the dad is driving away and it's just it's just completely lost because you've cut to this don't, complete well, random scene. Zach, don't don't gloss over the fact that Angelina Jolie steals a truck, rips a parachute open off the truck, skies are like skies around for a minute, crash lands and then gets arrested by the sheriff, who's her ex boyfriend by the way. Like, don't forget what the, the fuck the is scene going on. When they're in the bar and these firefighters are like saying all this really cringy stuff to this girl that uh, because of who her boyfriend is and her boyfriend is like a flannel wearing like hipster and they're like oh that can't be your boyfriend come on that can't be your boyfriend like oh god that's so gross it's a nightmare chris what do you do why do you like it so much just because i think it's a good time like I thought it was an interesting idea to have a giant forest fire be uh, one of the. I've never seen a movie that had a, that was dealing with giant forest fires like this. You need to watch a movie called Letter Never Sent. <clears throat> never heard of it. It's a movie about uh, I think it's Romanian. It's like these four people are gem miners and they're like out mining for gems and a forest fire happens and they get trapped in the middle of it and have to find their way out. Seems interesting. <laughs> Seems interesting. Doesn't have Angelina Jolie saving kids in it, so I guess I'm not won't but be like, that interested, but it's it's weird that she's like the top build 
because she has the least to do. Mm-hmm. And she's on screen the least amount of time. But yet she's the only one that we get backstory for. Yep. Yep. You nailed it, Zach. Poke holes all you want. Still had a good time, man. I'm not trying to take you take the good time away from you. I'm just like it's just a frustrating movie to watch. Mm. Yeah, it's very wildly inconsistent. Maybe you're just meant to have a good time with it, you know? Maybe it's not meant to be a piece of art. It's just meant to be a good time, man. I hate that this is your argument. <laughs> this is your go-to <laughs> argument. <laughs> Mm. I'm just saying, you, I don't... Because you have equally torn apart movies, and, like, we're, we don't throw it immediately at you. Like, maybe it's not meant to be a piece of art, Chris. You're just supposed to have a good time. You had no problem ripping apart Mortal Kombat with the rest of us. And yet now, because you like this movie, well, it's not meant to be a piece of art, man. It's just you're just supposed to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm not even convinced you had a good time with it. I had a decent time. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of this movie. It was less of like one of those things where I just wanted to watch it for analytical purposes. It more I just felt like watching it because it seemed like something cool to watch, you know? I guess. If you like poorly made action thrillers, it's... A very good one to watch. Coming from two guys who have watched every Nicolas Cage movie underneath the friggin' sun, you can't tell me that you don't enjoy a terrible action movie. But that's the problem, is that those movies know what they are. This movie thinks that it is genius, and it isn't. Okay, I think that is quite assumptive. I don't know if it thinks it's that it's genius, but... It thinks it has come up with this brilliant conceit. And that that enough that is that in itself is enough to carry the movie, and it isn't. I think with the amount of action sequences, or uh, I shouldn't say action sequences, <laughs> with the amount of fighting, shooting, fires, and basically heavy breathing throughout the movie, I think this movie knows exactly what it is. It just does it at a higher quality. I. It may be an acknowledgement. It may be like grounding itself in the sense of grounding itself in that higher quality was its issue. See the but. thing about see the thing about cheesy action movies is they know that they're cheesy action movies so therefore like they come up with creative sets and action pieces to like have actual fun within itself. Whereas this movie like thinks that the forest fire set piece is good enough as it is and it's just like a build up to that. And if that's where it fails, fine. And if you didn't have a good time up until that point, I'm, I feel sorry for you. But either way, up until that point and even beyond that, I thought it knew exactly what it was doing. And it did it pretty well. It may not be the same kind of movie that you would find Nicolas Cage doing. What was it doing? Just out of curiosity. What was it doing? Yeah. It was just meant to be an okay time. You're trying to, like, maybe not put pieces together because they don't present you enough pieces to put together. 
which I think it, it was intentional, by the way. But what's, but what's the purpose of that? Just watch the movie. If you're if you're intentionally holding back information from the audience, why would you do that? Intentionally holding back, there 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 are multiple reasons you could do that. There's holding back information for sake of plot, but then there's holding back movie for sake of effect. What do you think the effect is here? The effect is just not overcomplicating things. How is defining a motivation complicating things? Because it all depends on what the mo what the 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 motive of the people making the movie is so you've already determined though that you're going to show us tyler perry the people that these guys work for and he's going to tell you that the kid has to die and so you couldn't just throw in a quick line right there about why about what they might know i guess you could but at that point i feel you have to bring tyler perry back into the situation no you don't he's completely useless the rest of the movie I know, and I'm saying he is as he is now, but once you give more information, you're creating a bigger world, which once you expand information, you then have to expand the story to fit that world, or else it's all lost. Everything you're saying is nonsense. The The questions that I want answered have to do with this world. No character has to be added. I simply want to know why but certain you want characters information this world added. that they've established are doing the things that they're doing. I know, and I get that. I'm just saying I don't think that that's what's important. Why isn't it? Because can't the movie just be exactly what it is without it there being any informational be. is. issues? Okay, but for you it's not. So I, I guess I'm, I'm, you wanted, in my personal opinion, you wanted more from the movie than the movie was willing to give. I think the movie holding it back is of detriment to the movie. Okay, so my thing is like it's like I think about it like this. Like when you look at Stowaway, they don't answer the question how they got how the guy got into the ship. But I think like in Stowaway, the position that they become in as a result of him being on there is like way more life threatening and severe and is like it doesn't matter how we got here because we're in a terrible situation. It wouldn't matter. But for this, like they literally want they can't stop hunting this kid for whatever reason like that's important yeah i'm not saying that's not important but i don't think that the reason why was the focus of the movie and just like with stowaway how he got there why he got there is not the point of the movie all it i was interested because it seems a lot more interesting how he got there than why they're hunting this kid down what what is the focus of this movie? I think the focus of this movie was just for pure entertainment purposes. It it has a natural flow that seemed to be very checkpoint 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 checkpoint. And I think once you hit all those boxes, see, but you the thing is though, the fact that that is the, it's 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 following this general plot. Okay, that but with Stowaway, millions of times. But with Stowaway, the point of the movie isn't to figure out how he got on there like it's not a it's not a mystery about how he got on there yeah and then so, so it would be like if stowaway was about that and then the whole movie goes on and you never found out how he got on the ship but by that argument like, this you're movie that... is literally about something happened some information that's really important and somebody needs to die because of that information like, that's literally what this movie is about the movie is about people hunting what he knows this movie is about people hunting people for a reason. 
At that what point, is that reason? That's, that's, what, that's, that's what I'm saying is the reason doesn't matter based on certain decisions that were made as to why the movie was or what the movie was being geared but, towards. But it is about that because if because if they could just let the kid live, then the movie's over. So therefore, it does matter why they want him dead. Where in Stowaway, for example, it doesn't matter if you don't know because it isn't about trying to figure it out. It's about how do you save now save yourselves in this predicament because you've added this extra person that was unaccounted for. I understand. I I, I, I get. I would be fine not knowing why they had to kill the kid if the rest of it was good. It's something that I could overlook if the rest of the movie was good. Fine. <laughs> okay. But like, like I said, these mercenaries make decisions that don't make any sense, and I feel like knowing why they have to kill this kid might enlighten the audience as to why what they're doing makes no sense. Why can't there be enjoyment in the pursuit without that information? Because what, what about the pursuit? It, what what about the entire experience is tainted? Taint, because tainted. that's what creates emotion. Like maybe like like because you could add like some sort of like knowing these characters' motivation. Like I feel like that is what is driving the movie. So like I need to know what their motivation is. Okay, let's say they are the protagonist. You think that's driving the movie? These these mercenaries yeah, are the protagonists, and at the end of the movie, they murder the shit out of this kid. Sure. Right. Are you are you happy? If because, that was the ending, because you of don't the know movie. why they, you don't know why you're rooting for them to murder this kid. You have absolutely no reason to. And want if they to were the ones you're rooting kid. for, sure, it might be important to have that information. If the, if the story was about the father trying to survive, yes, the information is important, but it's not about the father. It's about the child. The child is innocent. He knows nothing. <laughs> he don't need to does know because the father tells him. The father he gives he knows. him a piece of paper that says, "Give this to a news channel, someone Which that you can he trust." Did not read. You don't know that. <laughs> you you only provided the information within the movie itself, so it's safe to assume he doesn't read the letter unless he did it off camera, which at that point is assumption. The only way they could get away with not revealing what it was, what the information was, why it was so important was if the movie was not about if it, mo- it transformed into no longer being about that but a survival story set in the blazing wilderness as in like you create a situation that got so far out of hand that it doesn't matter about killing this kid anymore because you need to survive a forest fire I will I will agree that there are ways to simplify what they were trying to do you could have cut out the police department in its entirety and you could have had it solely focused on the pursuit of these mercenaries for the child. And you could have had Angelina Jolie trying to get them through this forest fire. That would have been simplified things. It would have been a lot better. But that doesn't mean that what they're trying to do was bad because of the lack of information. It's bad because it's bad, but the lack of information doesn't help. It doesn't hurt. No, it does hurt. Because if you're if you are going to have a scene in which the character says anyone who sees our face has to die, and then you see them come across four different other people and none of them die, right? So at that point, if you have him say people who see our face need to die, that's one thing. 
but he doesn't say people who know this information need to die. Therefore, the focus isn't about the information. The no, focus no, is about actually, the pursuit. They actually do say that. In that scene. Tyler Perry says to them that the kid needs to die because he knows. Yeah, the kid, he, he literally says he has the, to die. But the kid doesn't know. That doesn't matter. But that does but, matter. To, to Tyler Perry. That doesn't matter. To Tyler Perry, it doesn't matter. To us, it matters. Okay. Throw in a, a line of dialogue between uh, Littlefinger and Nicholas Holt that they don't even know why they have to kill the kid. Problem solved. They're simply doing a job. There's I, so I, many... Yeah. The reason that I cannot forgive this thing is because there's so many simple ways to have solved it with a line of dialogue. <laughs> there's so like many said, easy fixes to get to reveal this information. Like I said, I'm not saying this movie is perfect. I'm not saying there aren't ways to fix some of the problems that this movie clearly had. But I saw the movie in a different light than you guys are seeing it. I'm not seeing it about the reason behind their pursuit. I'm seeing it strictly as the pursuit. But even the pursuit itself isn't that interesting. It's a lot of, like, at night, walking through the woods. It's a, it's, it's a lot of stuff we've seen before. The stuff we haven't seen before is the forest fire stuff with Angelina Jolie and the kid. And we get so far less of that in interest of this pursuit that we don't even know why it's happening in the first place. And I 100% agree that the, the, the forest fire should have been a lot more of a focus rather than just a tool for distracting the authorities. It should have been the main focus of the movie. Which, okay, and to go back to that, so in the opening scene, or whatever scene where you introduce the mercenaries, they kill this guy and they make it look like a gas leak. So obviously they don't want any attention. And then they murder a woman and just leave her body to be found by police with no discretion at all. And then, which causes them to have to now create this distraction in the forest yeah. <laughs> Whereas, if they were actually like good mercenaries to begin with, they wouldn't have had to create a distraction. Doesn't it play out where there's the car accident? They kill the woman. They leave the scene, and then they hear it on the radio. And then Nicholas Holt like surprised at how quickly they were found out. <laughs> I think he literally says like, "Wow, that was fast." <laughs> It's just like the there are interesting things in this movie, and it's frustrating that they spend so much time with the parts of it that aren't. Yeah, not only that, but like building up Angelina Jolie's backstory so much. They go to the same. They go to that well like three times. Mm. Not to mention, the kid is a dick to her when he first sees her. So I would have just left him for dead. We know. Fuck yeah, if I got kicked in the chest, fuck you, dude. Run through that lightning like, field without me, bitch. Like, fuck this kid. Like, This kid was set so to be made, to like, so smart, like, this whole entire time, and, like, so sympathetic. And, like, he's driving along this road with his dad and clearly put him into a fucked up situation. And the only thing he can say to his dad is, man, I really like it out here. I really like the quiet. This could be nice. Do we know, like, do like, we know you, what dude. happened? To the mom? She died of cancer. Okay. I guess I missed that part. I'm I'm also not saying that Angelina Jolie is a, an amazing actress, but I've also don't think she's terrible. 
I think she could do a little bit better than what there was in this. Like that scene where she's like standing on the balcony or whatever of the Firewatch Tower and she's like looking off in the distance. There's the cut to her, like the kids in the forest burning up and then it cuts back to her and then her face. And she's like, <laughs> like just trying to do this cry. It's brutal. I don't know why this had to be Angelina Jolie. Like, I feel like it could have been anyone. It should have been Jennifer Lawrence. I will say a positive. You know, this would be J-Lo. Oh, yeah. Or J-Lo. This should have been Reese Witherspoon. Wild? This is using a wild take? (laughs) I thought John Bernthal was really good in the movie. Yeah, he kind of always seems to play that police officer pretty well. And I, I like... Like, before we get into, like, fires burning everywhere, I like the I, the imagery of, like, ashes falling like snow. Yeah, until you're actually in it. It's scary as shit. That was cool. But, like, okay. If you're these mercenaries, at a certain point, you don't think that you would just give up. Like, he killed... They killed my partner. I really don't care if this kid lives or dies because I'm a hired gun. So, like... Yeah, but you don't get your money at that point. There's I, like how, I like how right? Nicholas Holt is, like, the biggest pussy of an assassin. Like, when he finally finds the kid, he, like, makes him turn around so that he can creep up on him with a knife. But you're going to stab this kid in the back? You have to stab a nine-year-old in the back, Nicholas Holt, assassin? Fuck. Mm. It feels long. It's an hour and a half, and it feels long. I just just kept waiting. Like, what this movie should have been is 20 minutes of setup, one hour of forest fire. I'm game. Games, yeah. I don't even care. Like, I don't need to see the first murder. I don't need to see that the dad thinks he's gonna that he's gonna be next. Literally, like, start with the accident. Like, there's also no real reason that Angela Jolie's character has to be a smoke jumper. Like, she doesn't really offer any sort of knowledge that the average person couldn't learn from the Discovery Channel. Well, okay. She knows about like all the smoke water. jumpers. Education is from the Discovery Channel. Well, she's like, okay, go to the deepest part of the river and lay down. Like, okay, yeah, they cover that on MythBusters, probably. Like, fuck. Like, why does she need to be a smoke jumper? Well, I feel like the dad has more useful information than she does. Like, creeks lead to streams, streams lead to rivers, rivers lead to towns. Like, like, oh shit, that's pretty good advice. Yeah, like, Angelus Jolie could have been a backpacker and then, like, a hiker and then been like, okay, you need to go to this deepest part of the river and lie down. The kid be like, what? How do you know that? She'd be like, I literally read it in Nat Geo. Just do it. She could have been the the same effect. She could have been, like, in the survivalist cabin. Like, I feel like that would have made it so much easier. Like, let's just just say you need to have Angelina Jolie in this movie, right? For whatever reason, it has to be her. Why not just, like cut the bullshit like with all the smoke jumping stuff and just make Angelina Jolie the kid's mom 
they're coming after her. They crash, and then there's a forest fire, and they have to survive. Like, <laughs> okay, what? boom. Sure. <laughs> it just seems like it's so... Chris is saying that he loves... Oh, it's just inter- it's just pure entertainment. It's too overly complicated to be just pure entertainment, which is why I think these questions need to be answered. I don't think so. There's I don't... so many moving pieces in this movie. To I be think that... Oh, it's just pure entertainment. Like, it's too plot-heavy and complicated to not would answer say, questions about the plot. I would say that if there are easy ways to simplify things, then you should take the easy ways to simplify things. When there are a couple ways I've to simplify like a lot of I've given you like 12 ways to simplify this movie. And I'm not disagreeing with you, but I don't think providing the information is one of them. I honestly think all the ideas that we've come up with brainstorming in the hour we've been recording is better than any they literally wrote the script edited the script filmed it edited the movie however long that took and we still just brainstormed better ideas than what they presented unless taylor sheridan passed in a script and they said it's not complicated enough (laughs) this is too simple they read it and they were just like i fucking guess so what do you, what do you want to burn 300, 300 acres worth of land? They look, Fuck it, I'm in. They looked at it and they were like, "This is entertainment, but it's not pure entertainment." <laughs> look, Taylor Sheridan, we, we see what you're trying to do here. You're not making art. This is just a movie. <laughs> so <laughs> they're in the studio room and the guys are just like, "Yeah, I don't know where you think we're gonna find a, a, a forest to burn it down." Oh, what was that? You 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 built you built your own forest. You grew your own trees. Ah, fuck it. Let's do it. I want an entirely different podcast that Chris is an interview host, and he has to interview all these people that he said over the years don't make art. They just make entertainment, and I want them to have to respond to that. Fine, dude. Taylor Sheridan has a different opinion on whether or not he makes art. To me, in my viewing of the movie, I'm not saying... (laughs) He wasn't trying to make art. I'm You're not mean. Okay, okay. I'm. Yes, I'm saying that to me, it wasn't art. It was just entertainment. And if that is his art, then by all means, dude, you succeeded. Taylor Sheridan has a crazy jawline. Could he kick my ass? Yeah. He was in Sons of Anarchy, Chris. I bet he could. <laughs> Oh, I see. He's a writer on Yellowstone, which I've heard is good. Like, obviously, he wrote Sicario. I had not seen Yellowstone. What was he? I had not seen. I have not seen um, Hell or High Water, so I can't speak on that. I mean, like, I like Hell or High Water. I really like Wind River. I was excited for this movie, and it was just a colossal letdown. Who is he in Sons of Anarchy? I've never seen the show. I don't know. I just know that's where he got his start. As an actor? Yes. He was an actor. He hated it. He quit it. He quit the show and started writing screenplays. And then he sold Sicario, which was his, like his first big one. Hmm. Oh, I know who he is. Yeah, this guy could totally kick my ass. Also, uh, so like... He obviously has talent as a writer, like, which is which is almost why it's also inexcusable in this movie, because he clearly can like has clever ideas, 
Like, that's what I'm. It's like there are moments where I feel like I can kind of tell it's his writing, like just like these little tiny things, like how the way things play out. So it seems like he had inputs on scenes, but not the story as a whole. Like, for for example, in Hell or High Water, he has one of the, like the greatest ideas I've seen like in a heist movie, which is that part of the heist is stealing a car, and then they bury the car so that there's no evidence left behind. And like I saw it, I was like, oh shit, that's that's a pretty good idea. Like, not bad. And like they only rob banks at opening time, and they only take loose bills from the drawer, not from the vault, because they won't be sequential, and they won't be tracked. So, like, the guy has interesting ideas. They just aren't in this movie. Like I said, there's, like, flares where I feel like he had some input, and then... Excuse me. Just not the story as a whole. I am going to devote the rest of my life to waiting for Taylor Sheridan to make a movie, and then I'm going to write a simpler version of his movie that's better than his movie, and just <laughs> do that forever. Do you save it up until he's like on his deathbed and then send him everything you've done? Hey, remember that movie you made for those who wished that I could be dead? This is a better version of that, <laughs> and it has a less stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't really have many, much else to say about it. It was kind of boring. Weirdly paced. Weirdly written. I'm gonna give it a 2. It's a 2.5 for me. It's a 4, buddy. Oh! Hi. That's a lot. Is that your highest rated movie this year? Uh, Fucking good question. Um, I feel like I gave Stowaway a pretty decent rating. I think you gave it a two. I gave it the high. I gave it the highest. Oh, out of four. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it might be one of my highest rated movies of the year. I've stopped worrying about ratings. Clearly. Peace, love, happiness. <clears throat> I'm slightly disappointed we're not jumping right into a review of Army of the Dead, but. I know. I'm disappointed I didn't have time to watch it. Is that what we're doing for next week? Or is there something big on the horizon? I think the big release this week is Corella on Disney Plus, and I have no interest in seeing that. So. Yeah. And I Quiet do. is two in theaters. I also have no interest in seeing that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, no, I totally want to see Army of the Dead. I'm done, totally down to do it next week. <laughs> My boss asked me has asked me every single day since Friday if I've watched Army of the Dead yet. Why has he seen it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you guys watch anything else this week? Probably. Ghostbusters. One and two. Oh. <laughs> I freaking love that movie, dude. I love Ghostbusters. I wish I was a Ghostbuster. I have not seen the second one. It it's okay. You don't need to. Oh, I, I feel like to. Ghostbusters one should be a standalone movie. The second one was still semi enjoyable, but that's mainly because of Bill Murray. Like 
in the first one, there's a lot of funny moments between like Ray, Egon, friggin' um, Peter Vegman, and I always forget the fourth guy. Shit. Anyways, but you don't see a lot of those like cohesive funny moments in the third one. It just kind of seems like the Bill Murray show a lot of the time. Which don't get me one? wrong in the in the, the second one. Oh. Did I say third? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, it kind of seems like the Bill Murray show, which don't get me wrong, still enjoyable, but it just would have been nice if there was a better balance between the three. Hmm. Well, and then the there's last... the new Ghostbusters, which is a pile of shit. Are you, did you watch these in preparation for Ghostbusters Afterlife? No. I don't know what this is. Is it? Oh, it's the one with Paul Rudd? Yeah. It's the one directed by Ivan Reitman's son, whoever that is. I, I know which one you're talking about. I have uh, no idea what that is. Uh, so in the last two weeks, I have watched 16 things. So I will try to condense these down some. Whew, you a busy boy. Uh, I guess I'll start by saying that I, uh, I watched all four Purge movies. I'm going pee on that note. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I like the first two, not so much the second two. Like. Wait, walk me through each one. So the first one is. Shot by shot. Shot by shot. Scene by scene. So the purge opens with. So, so the first one would be the home invasion. Which I have seen. Which I still think is. Pretty good movie. It's got thrills. It's it's pretty good. The second one would be where it opens up, like opens up the world, and it takes place outside of, like basically just outside. Which I always thought would be more interesting than the home invasion. And it sets up this idea that the purge is a government construction to eliminate poor people. Yeah. Which is an interesting idea. And the purge election year takes place during an election year in which so one of the rules of the purge is that you can't kill high-ranking government officials and in the purge election year they take that rule away because one of the people running for president is plans to abolish the purge if she gets elected mm-hmm. and so they take out that rule so that they can kill her and that seems like it, that seems interesting. And the they uh the movie is then trying to like protect her. Okay. And then the fourth one is the first purge, which is about the first time it ever happens. Right. It's Isn't there purge anarchy? Isn't that one? That's the second one. Oh, that's the second one. Oh, okay. So like the first one's good. I like the first one probably the most. The second one's also like pretty decent. I think I think it gets into this problem where, like, it shows so many different people that aren't participating in the purge. And it's like, well, if this many people aren't participating, like, how can it be working? (laughs) And, like, like, the people that are participating are just, like, blood-crazed maniacs. So it's like, you're basically saying that, like, a third of the population are basically just sociopaths that have to hold it together for 364 days a year so that the one day of the year, they can just go crazy and murder anyone they want to. Yeah. 
there's, there's just parts of it that are just overly cartoony and, like, don't make any sense. And then, like, in the third one, it starts to, like, basically just get into, like, any small grievance. Like, you have to just constantly, like, be on your toes because any small grievance you have with someone throughout the year, like, they could be coming for you on Purge Day. This so, guy like, knocked on the stall while I was taking a shit in a public place. So, like, so, like this girl comes to this guy's shop and, like, plans to, like, kill him and, like, destroy a shop because earlier that day he caught her stealing a candy bar and so like she comes back and she's like i'm here for my candy bar and like he's like gonna kill just like what the fuck like this is this is what you want to like purge about that's you got caught stealing first of all like this guy didn't do anything wrong to you you were trying to steal from him and like it's just a lot of it's just ridiculous do you, do you see it as a, a realistic way the purge would go down if it were real? No. I think uh. there would be, like, I think there would be far less violence than is portrayed and more, like, just looting and rioting. It would be a I don't, I don't think that. people would go around and just kill people, like, at will. Any, any crime is legal, right? Any crime is legal for 12 hours. <laughs> So in theory, like blue collar crime, you could do insider trading. So I brought you manipulate <laughs> stock markets. Well, I brought that up because I said the purge that I want to see takes place in a boardroom, and it's all these people committing like tax fraud. Right. And yeah. like, but then Autumn brought up a good point: was that the purge is from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So none of these places would even be open to process your paperwork until the day after, in which case it wouldn't be the purge anymore. Mm, that is a good point. Damn it, Autumn. 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Shit. What could you do in that time? Like, if it was a purge-type situation, what's, like, the first thing you're doing? You're I'm participating. I'm going to Walmart and stealing all the toys that I didn't buy. But couldn't, I was couldn't there you do, day before. Couldn't you do business with China, though? It's like, you do late-hour conference. All your actions would be considered illegal any other time. Yeah, but markets close at 8. And Not like, Chinese markets. Chinese markets are they're, okay, they're working on their The US time. cannot impose laws on China. No, it can't impose laws, but it can do illegal business with China. Yeah, make a deal, like sell them nuclear arms or something. I, I guess I guess like if Treason, they can... right? Treason, you could sell out your country oh, during the purge hours. I think I would be more of like a like a looter. Like, I would just steal things. I, would, I don't so want to kill all cr- Oh, here's an interesting idea. What if it took place in a prison? You break out of prison on the purge. You're still a criminal the day after the purge. Yeah, but you but you're active Most breaking out. Most 12 hours, you're home free. Yeah, but you broke out. That was legal during that time. Therefore, you're scot-free. Yeah, no, but then it's illegal after the 12-hour period. So you're still being, you're still, like, in jail. I had this discussion. Okay, and like, first of all, like, if there's a purge, why would there be a need for like a prison system like we have now? So the, if there's a that purge, was, that was another thing, which was like at the beginning of the purge, it comes up like crime is at an all-time low, like, but it's like, okay, so let's say your murder rate is seven percent. That seems kind of high, but like, whatever. Let's just say that's what it is. But you've got it down to zero, but then on one night of the year, your murder rate is like 
75%, don't you think that would even itself out so that crime is basically the same? It's just contained to one night? <laughs> if you can't say crime is virtually non-existent, because it is, it's just I on would, one night. I but to technicality, we're all crimes legal, so therefore there's no crime. I would say that, like, it would take out a lot of, like, crimes of passion. Because think about no, how many people, like, crimes murder... Crimes of passion are committed in the, in the moment. Yeah, but that's so what I'm saying, though. Is think about how many people would be, like, like a week out from the purge. Be like, all I need to do is wait one fucking week. Yeah, okay, so imagine this, right? You piss me off. Or let's not use me. Let's <laughs> use Alyssa. Like, Aly- Alyssa, you get make her so mad that she murders you. But she's yeah. three days before the purge. And now she just has to hide your body for three days. And then once the purge happens, she can just dump you on the front lawn. And it doesn't matter. Oh, Chris, dude. Like, you little bitch. Like, I totally killed you tonight, dude. Imagine being the cleanup crew after the purge. Like, that would be the worst part. I saw a video today of, like, high school kids. And they were their school was over, so they took all their papers and they threw them down the stairwell. And the only thing I could think was, that poor janitor. <laughs> Imagine being like the cleanup crew for like all the looting and like all the fucking murder. They shit. should do a purge the next day where it is just street sweepers coming down and cleaning shit. Imagine this for a purge movie. Like it's single location, <laughs> like confined in an apartment. You're not leaving because you don't want to engage in the purge. And yet you just become increasingly paranoid that your spouse is trying to murder you. That'd be interesting. Hmm. Or your, I would one. your pizza delivery guy that has to deliver on the night of the purge. Well, I would assume yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just no, you, the like, closing in capitalist America, dude. You're capitalizing on hungry murderers. You got it. Okay, so like, there's everybody's agreed. Like, there's just a giant bear barrier around Domino's. It's like safe space. Yeah, everybody agrees. Like, you don't fuck with the Domino's driver. Right? It's like it's like the Continental. Fucking... <laughs> yeah. So then, like Wick. the first place, then I would make sure that I'm at like the Amazon warehouse, like two days before the purge, and then I would just go break in there and just take things. Plus, like the week before, you would see people all throughout Walmart with like a list, just like writing stuff down, <laughs> like those those purge planners. Maybe like advertisements for it and shit. It'd be like you every year you'd get like what used to be the Toys R Us like toy book before Christmas. You'd be like, here's all the things Walmart and Target have right now that you can steal on the purge. I bet they would pull. I bet it'd be like Black Friday. They pull all their good shit and they would just put like all the stuff they they want to get rid of out. <laughs> yeah, take this standard definition TV. You can have it. <laughs> But yeah, that's the purge. It's okay. Let's see. I checked out um, Grizzly from 1976. This is a Jaws ripoff. And it's about uh, an 18-foot grizzly bear that gets loose in the wilderness and starts hacking off hikers and... Wait, the, off, huh? it gets loose yeah. in the wilderness? Isn't that where it would live anyways? No, it gets loose. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's like somehow this bear... Well, there's a thing where 
they like relocated bears uh, for some reason I don't remember and then like one comes back down and it's this massive grizzly bear that's killing people um incredibly low budget I'm not sure how how much they filmed it for but they use a lot of grizzly cam so it's just like a person holding a camera walking through the forest there's like bear sounds you know, superimposed like over the it. The whole like record button on, it and it says "Grizzly Cam" on it. No, but that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Like the first person that gets killed, right? Like, so you get the fir- you get the POV of the bears coming through here, like the <laughs> like coming through the forest, and then there's like a shot of um. Of just like a bear arm, a very obvious fake bear arm, like swiping through the screen, and then it cuts to a prosthetic arm, just like going flying through the forest, and then <laughs> the other arm gets swatted off before the bear ultimately eats the woman. Uh, yeah, lots of great cheesy stuff like that, and then <laughs> um. There's another great scene where these two rangers are walking through the forest and they come kind of come upon this waterfall. And the guys, they're like talking about where the bear could be. And the guy's like, I'm going to go like over here and look. And the girl's like, that's fine. I'm just going to dip my toes in the water. Okay. So <laughs> instead of dipping her toes in the water, of course, she completely disrobes and is like walking through the waterfall and the grizzly bear gets her. Um, but a fun fact about Grizzly is that they used a real bear to film it, but the bear that they used is only 11 feet, so it's pretty obvious, like, when they show footage of the bear that it's not that big, and, like, they try to use different, like, camera tricks to hide it, but it's obviously not working out that well, so it's, it's super cheesy. I mean, 11-foot bear is still a bear I wouldn't want to fuck with. But yeah, they're, but they're selling it out to be an 18-foot bear. So, like, that's quite a big difference. I'm not going to lie. In the heat of the moment, I'm not telling an 11-foot bear from an 18-foot bear. <laughs> oh, you could tell. I don't want to ruin the ending because it's pretty ridiculous. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> they, they come face-to-face with the bear, right? Somehow, some way, the guy commandeers a bazooka and shoots the bear with the bazooka and blows it up. And then it literally, as soon as the bear like blows up, the credits start rolling. That's like, almost immediately. Yeah, it's 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 a ridiculous movie, but oddly fun in a way, you know. Who wins in a fight, a bear, an alligator, or a shark? Shark. Shark. Think so? Well, the only well, way it's like three times as big as the rest of those. Only way this can happen is in the water, so. I wouldn't say so. I think, like, at the edge, you know, where they both well, meet. How many bears do you know that live near the ocean? All the bears in Maine do. It's a shark, for sure. No, they live, like, ocean adjacent they don't live near it they're not like going to the ocean anytime soon you're going to the ocean shut up do you watch anything chris 
Um, I can't remember if I talked about this last time. Did I talk about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? No. I did. I watched that. Did not. <laughs> it's so crazy. Is Let's this just... on HBO? Yes. Okay. Is this, is, this, is this art or pure entertainment? Oh my gosh, entertainment at its finest. That's art. Let's just say they make it so Abraham Lincoln saves the Union because the South is ruled by vampires. I've read the book. I know how it goes. Is it Daniel? <laughs> is Abraham Lincoln played by Daniel Day Lewis? Dude, I fucking wish. It's like Pedro <laughs> Pascal. I'm pretty sure. Is it really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I kind of want to watch this now. He doesn't look anything like Lincoln. Uh, they do some like prosthetic stuff. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Pedro Pascal. Let me see if I can find it. Close, Chris. It's Benjamin Walker. Benjamin. <laughs> I thought it was Pedro Pascal. Who's Benjamin Walker? I have no fucking clue. I have never seen Abraham Lincoln. I've never. Oh, I've seen in the heart of the sea, but I have no idea what that guy is in that movie. I thought for sure it was Pedro Pascal. <laughs> he kind of looks like him, like he could be him, you know. And he's in Flags of Our Fathers, but I've never seen that either. Now oh, whatever. Pedro <laughs> <laughs> Pascal. Yeah, they could. They look like they could be like related or something. Like they look similar. Pedro Pascal looks a little more seasoned, I guess. The guy who directed this also directed Wanted, so that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Well, anyways, it is ridiculous. It is very cool, though. I enjoyed myself almost the entire time. Almost the entire time? Yeah, there are a couple moments where I'm just like, ugh. Because, like, they get away from the vampire killing and they get into, like, I don't know. Politics of the South. Yeah, I'm like, I don't care. Just, like, slash some throats, dude. It's only an, it's only an hour and a half, too. Huh. Yeah. I love leather. I love Letterboxd's plot synopsis of Abraham <coughs> Lincoln Vampire Hunter. What is it? This is President Lincoln's mother is killed by a supernatural creature, which fuels his passion to crush vampires and their slave-owning helpers. Dang, dude. Those are some good buzzwords. Chris, you want to know all about buzzwords. Yeah, broke, You broke millennial, you. Synergy. I'm going to check this out, Chris, I think. I'm I so, think you should. You look like you might enjoy it. Pedro Pascal, man, I love him. <laughs> I, like I genuinely thought it was him. Like I'm not even lying. <laughs> what else did you watch, Zach? Um, I watched Batman, Batman Returns, and Batman Forever. Well, I saw that you watched. Uh, was that inspired by when I said there was a three-hour cut? So, I watched. I kind of figured out that I had already seen some of the deleted scenes that would comprise the three-hour cut. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's there's some interesting stuff in there. Like, Val Kimmer coming face-to-face with a giant bat, which is kind of just, like, weird and bizarre. A lot of Batman Forever is weird and bizarre and, like, totally doesn't really work. 
and it's because they cut out all this other stuff that would like fill in why some scenes are like why some scenes don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And like well I guess like the big plot thread that they cut out was Batman wanting to quit being Batman. And like he kind of is getting the feeling that you know these villains like Two Face and Riddler only exist because of Batman. So Batman is around to fight these villains, but he's also creating them at the same time. So maybe, like, Batman and villains go hand in hand, and if one wasn't there, the other one might not be there either. That's an interesting idea. And so, like, it's, it's kind of a bummer they cut that out of the movie. Um, but, I mean, they, so Batman Forever came out at, like, peak Jim Carrey. And he is great in this movie. And, and by great, I mean it's terrible. Tom, he's not as bad as Tommy Lee Jones, who I think is truly awful. But uh, Nicole Kidman's pretty bad too. He's not the they're not the worst villain in Batman portrayal ever. You're right. The Iceman. Worse. He is not the worst. Yes, he is, dude. It was like there's so there's a scene where like <laughs> uh, Edward Nigma, Jim Carrey's character, forces his boss like to commit suicide using like his his machine that allows him to like read people's all their thoughts and whatnot. And so like they're coming the next day to investigate, and he's like. <laughs> He's like, oh, there's a suicide note right there. And he reads it, and it's like, I can't take this anymore. And, like, he, like, goodbye. And that was the suicide note that Jim Carrey forged for him. He's like, as you can see, it's in this perfect sentence structure that he would use. And it's like, okay, Jim Carrey. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> but uh, it's... I like it. Who does but Nicole I, Kidman play? Uh, she plays the love interest with Val Kilmer. Oh, I see. This movie also introduces Robin, whose family is killed by Toothface. And one thing about his character that really bothers me is that he's 25 years old and he keeps referring to himself as an orphan. It's like, You're not an orphan. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> like your parents just died that's tragic and I'm sorry but you're not an orphan <laughs> fuck you Robin <laughs> you're not a fucking orphan <laughs> so sucks your parents died but <laughs> So I, I guess, technically, uh, Tim Burton was under contract to direct this, and they the studio didn't want him to direct it, and Tim Burton didn't want to direct it, and so I guess they kind of, like, pushed him out, and the lead, uh, the person they were considering heavily to play Robin was Leonardo DiCaprio, who auditioned for the role. 
and apparently Michael Keaton told him not to do it, that it would destroy his career. And so he listened to Michael Keaton and didn't do it. Good for him. I mean, good advice. That's that's another thing. Michael Keaton was also under contract to return for this movie, and he didn't want to do it, and the studio didn't want him in it, so they kind of just pushed him aside. Perfect. We're the best. Uh, But I did rewatch Tim Burton's Batman from 1989. I will say I don't like Jack Nicholson's Joker. What? I don't like it. Dude, he's the best. It's... His performance would fit perfectly in Batman Returns. It does not fit in Batman. Batman is still somewhat grounded, and it's not as Tim Burton-esque. Jack Nicholson's performance is just so over the top. But if it had been placed in Batman Returns, it would work, because that movie is so heavily stylized and, like... It, you are now in full Tim Burton mode, and it works. But I, Batman Returns is my is my favorite Batman movie. It's, I think Michelle Pfeiffer is a terrible Catwoman. Actually, I think she's just terrible in the movie. I think that would work better if it was. Uh, I would have liked to see like Helena Bowman Carter play Catwoman in that movie. I think she just fits that world a lot better for Tim Burton. Um, that could have been interesting. There's just like there's just things that happen that are very like Tim Burtony that Michelle Pfeiffer just doesn't work. Like when she comes home from her job working for Christopher Walken and she like walks into the house and she's like, Honey, I'm home and it's like, Oh, that's right, I'm single. And it's like Michelle Pfeiffer, like it doesn't work. But I feel like if it was Helena Bowman Carter like delivering that, it would have worked. Hmm. Just things like that. Danny DeVito as the Penguin is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's in this this movie is so clearly like not for kids. It's very clearly like an adult movie because there's a there's. <laughs> So, some, some woman is talking to Danny DeVito, like, because he's been living in the sewers for all these years. And is like, oh, like, you must have quite the void to fill. And then, like, she, like, walks away, and he looks at Christopher Walken and is like, I'd love to fill her void. And it's like, oh. <laughs> Creepy. And then, like, Catwoman, like, comes to his lair. And he's like, he's like, oh yes, just the pussy I've been looking for. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> if anybody's awesome. gonna say those lines though and deliver them in a such a way, it's gonna be Danny DeVito. Next thing you know, he's gonna release a thirty-minute video of him jerking off. So <laughs> he's he is great in the movie. And uh, it's just, uh, if you haven't seen it, I'd watch it, Chris. I've seen. I watched it. It was like one of those TNT movies I watched a long time ago. Oh boy! Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna create like a category. I'm gonna create a category called TNT movies, and and that's um that's the list that I'm gonna start making. It's not. I'm not gonna make a top 100 of this decade. It's just gonna be top TNT movies of the decade. Top movies I've only seen once on TNT. <laughs> the Incredible Hulk with Eric Bana. That's one of them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Gladiator. 
Gladiator, sure. Mission, Mission Impossible 2. Black Hawk Down a long Black time Hawk ago. Black Hawk Down. Troy. Troy's Live Free or good. Die Hard. Yeah, but Live like a very, a very cut version of Troy. Yes, very cut. Because movie. Yep, Matrix. Mm-hmm. Jeepers Creepers 1, too. Yep, Jeepers Creepers. <sighs> Let's see. Well, speaking of, movies you might, speaking of movies you might find on TNT, I watched Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. Yes, that's a good TNT movie. I kind of hate myself for how much I like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's what like, I'm talking about. Like, I do kind of, I want to dislike it just because I don't really like Guy Ritchie, but I can't help myself. I do like it. <laughs> I think what I like about it is I think I like the idea of, like, the time period. So it kind of works that Mark Strong's character is using, like, what they perceive to be magic, but it's just, realistically, it's, like, science and chemistry that no one's really familiar with. So it's, like, the whole, like, what's considered magic at one time is, like, science to another. So I do kind of like how they play with that and, like, utilize that to their advantage. Like, it makes for an interesting... Like story and like an interesting case for Sherlock Holmes to solve. Have not watched Game of Shadows yet, so we'll have to update you later. But you're gonna hate it. I probably will. I can tell you right I, now, you're gonna love yeah. Game of Shadows. I remember not liking that one very much, but I still I had fun. I still had fun with Sherlock Holmes. I've never seen the sequel. <laughs> I think I've seen it once, and I I don't remember. I don't know. I remember it being I, like scattered and boring. I it don't was. even know if I've seen all of the first one. It's one of the few movies that I like shut off, and I was like, I will never watch the rest of this movie. The first one? Yeah. Oh, bummer, dude. You just don't like Robert Downey Jr., do you? It's Guy Ritchie. I hate Guy Ritchie. I hate him. Speaking of Guy Ritchie. I watched another one of his movies this week that I actually kind of enjoyed, called King Arthur. Oh, fuck. We saw this in theaters, and it sucked. We did, and it did. But upon upon re-watching the movie, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I gotta say, I really like... I like Guy Ritchie's style in a medieval setting. I think that King Arthur taken to a dark approach is absolutely fantastic. I like them taking... I like Charlie Hunnam as as King Arthur, and I'm a... He's perfect, and I really I do, like... I do like him as King Arthur. I, I really like the character he plays, too, because normally he's portrayed as, like, this innocent guy who's just, like, pure, pure good... But in this one, he was, like, raised in a brothel. He, like, runs an, an underground organization that's meant to protect this brothel throughout the town. He's saving up money and shit, and he has, like, a crew around him that does the same thing. Like, he basically plays Jax Teller if Jax Teller became, you know, King Arthur. And I thought that it was absolutely great. Granted, there were, like, a few scenes where I'm just like, this is... There are a few scenes that were horrible, but all in all, the thing I've always the thing I've always found off-putting about Guy Ritchie is that a lot of his movies feel overwritten, like they feel very like movie with a capital M, 
But I think that's that's what makes it so good, you know? Well, like, I think it works. Like, I think it kind of works with, like, Sherlock Holmes, because I guess that kind of is the character of Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. of just sort of being, like, a pompous know-it-all. Um, so that, that kind of showy dialogue and stuff, like, works for that. But then once you get outside of that, it kind of falls apart for me. Yeah. For me. Uh, it's like it's like I look at Guy Ritchie in the same way I look at Wes Anderson. I 100% if people don't get if people don't like him, just because his style is so much his own. Yeah. But I don't know. I like it. I like his kind of like fast paced montage, semi montage sequences. Have you seen The Gentleman? Not yet. It was on my list. Are you Have you seen Wrath of Man? No, I haven't seen. What's that? This is one that's in one. theaters right now. Mm-mm. No, I haven't. Which is the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam? Is that the gentleman? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to see. Yeah, I watched that last year. What'd you think? Or oh, I didn't really care for it. It's... All right. Uh, I guess the last thing that I will mention is that I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Kind of been itching to rewatch this. I will say, this is the third time I've seen it, and each time I watch it, there are things that initially really bothered me that seem to bother me less. But it seems like each time I watch it, I find new things that bother me. Hmm. So one thing gets resolved, but then another problem arises. For for example, I still really hate the over-the-top violence at the end. Okay. But sticking with that, this movie requires quite a bit of knowledge, prior knowledge about the Manson family. Because within this movie, you are supposed to know that they are evil, but there's nothing really explicitly telling us that they're evil. I think I remember us talking about that the, when we first reviewed it, about how much how much you have to bring into it yourself. So, like, within the wor- this movie, within the logic of the movie, these people haven't really done anything wrong and they get brutally murdered but it's satisfying to the audience because you know that they're the ones that killed Sharon Tate which is kind of Mm -hmm. just weird how that works and like so what bothers me this time around is the end of the movie in which like you know it's supposed to be this big thing like this big happy moment that Sharon Tate like survives and she goes on to like is gonna live and make more movies and have her baby and whatnot. That mo- that moment's not earned because in this version of history, Sharon Tate was never in danger. And so That's true. Like they make it very very explicitly state in the vehicle that like, oh, that was Jake Cahill. Let's go to his house and we can kill those that taught us violence so like in this movie Sharon Tate is never the target 
So the this whole idea that she survives at the end and can go on to live a happy life is kind of bullshit because you've changed history to a point where now you've you have not earned the happy ending that you claim you are giving us. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it was never about her anyways. Right. Which makes her inclusion in this movie even more pointless. So it really just is, uh, like, essentially Tarantino wanting to, quote-unquote, save the old ways of Hollywood and cinema. Basically. I, I do think it's interesting how the movie works as, like, being about the end of an era and is also, like, in the real world taking place and kind of, like, the end of an era. Like... I don't know, like, going forward, you know, we're in, like, phase 12 of Marvel movies, and, like, these big original studio movies are, are probably few and far between from here on until we die, and so, like, the idea that he could make this movie, which is a completely just original movie, they recreate old LA, like, it's expensive, and, like, those those kinds of movies are probably gone and like so i think it's interesting how it works in that way but i think there are just very specific stuff about the plot the plotting and what he's trying to do that just don't work because he still feels the need to change history so like the reason it doesn't work is also his own doing even if they like changed history like they had sharon tate meet um Leonardo DiCaprio's character and like they're over at her house when they go in like changing history isn't something that I have a problem with whatever but when you brought up the point of Sharon Tate not being in danger so we don't get that payoff like that kind of made sense like I'm fine with him changing it but I guess my problem this time around was that you never he doesn't reintroduce the Manson family as a legitimate threat which yeah. is something that should have been established if you're going to change what we know about them. And that's where I feel like you could have used that scene where uh, Cliff Booth goes to the mansion, like, the house or whatever. And, like, you really could have used some, like, suspense and build up to, you know, to something, like, where they seem ominous and threatening, but then it sort of becomes, like, that tension dissolves really quickly. Yeah. So, like, in this movie, three people get brutally murdered, and, like, the worst thing that they did was, like, hold a knife to someone. And then they get brutally murdered for that. Was that cool sequence with all the lights still really cool? I still like that part. There's still a lot of this movie that I like. And for a 40-minute movie, like, it doesn't feel that long. I did have I, I had to have one question. So they insert Leo into the Great Escape. Maybe maybe it's like a like he would feel disrespectful kind of thing. But like, why not replace when Margot Robbie goes to the theater to watch herself? Why wouldn't they replace the Sharon Tate in the movie with Margot Robbie? That seems like more sense. Yeah. 
But like, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things where it just seems it doesn't seem very tasteful to do that. I, I guess, but it seems weird to do it for this one part that's completely hypothetical and didn't actually happen, and it's just more of like a fantasy sequence. And then to not do it when it's actually what you had portrayed earlier is happening is actually happening. And like, and what is the Brad Pitt and his wife thing still really bothers me. I still really don't like that. I remember that. Where it's implied that he might have killed his wife. No. Yeah, like harpoons are. Which, I'm not. I don't. I don't have any problem. Like he harpoons with, that poon. <laughs> I don't have any problem with that idea. Like in theory, it it just doesn't go anywhere. There's no payoff. It's never mentioned again. It seems completely irrelevant. So I don't know why you needed to put it in here. Yeah, doesn't he use it as like that's why he's like. Uh, he's not employable because he might have killed his wife, but in reality, like, there's numerous ways that he could be unemployable. Right. Because he beat up Bruce Lee. Yeah, like, that would be that would be fine in, in itself. That, yeah, that's reason enough. Like, dude, we're not going to hire you because you literally beat up our movie star. <laughs> my, I remember my favorite scene being the, the one where they get to the Manson Plantation or whatever it's called. Spawn Ranch. Spot, yeah, I remember when they got there, like, that whole entire sequence, I was just, like, clenching my butt cheeks. I love that scene, like, where, I forget what her name is, but it's like, like oh, she she gets really mad if I fall asleep while we're watching the FBI. And it's like, oh, is that the red-haired girl out there? And he's like, didn't you fucking listen to me? I'm blind. How the fuck would I know what color her hair is? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I gotta rewatch that. That's like a three hour long movie though. Two hours and forty minutes. That's a long ass movie. Fuck. Yeah, let's do a double feature. I'll do that and then the Irishman back to back. Just make it a whole fucking day. Yes, yeah, so I just clear out your afternoon. Yeah. There's a, there's a good six hours of movie watching for you. Well, Two hours and 40 minutes of good movie watching for you. Good is in quotations, too. The uh, only last thing I'll mention is that I watched Jaws 2. I uh, thought I had seen it before. I, kind of, I don't think I have. Uh, and it's pretty obvious. You can tell, like, the magic's gone. Jaws, like, what made Jaws special? It's gone in Jaws 2. Like, you can feel it. Like, in the direction, you can definitely feel it in the screenplay. Um, you can get it it's like, some of the acting. Um, and then what's what's crazy, I think, is, like, how much time is supposed to have passed between the two movies. Because, have you guys seen it? Yes. So, yeah. Michael, is, Michael is, like, what? Six years old at most in Jaws, but in this he's like seventeen. So like eleven years have passed, but then they try to make it seem like no time has passed. Really, like some of the way like they refer to things and the events of the town, like kind of inconsistent. Um, some of the shark stuff is 
it's like, eh, it's okay. Like, it's definitely not nearly as suspenseful or creepy. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that they were not able to use the shark that they used in Jaws to make this. Well, it didn't you know? work. It didn't work? You wouldn't want to use it because it didn't work. What do you mean? That's the they big had, thing like, with a Jaws, lot of trouble. is that the, sh- the shark didn't work, which is how they came up with the POV stuff. Right, but they also but they got some use out of it. I guess what I'm getting at is that the, the models or whatever look very different. Well, it's a different shark. One feels like... One seems... This one and this one seems like kind of rubbery, almost. I remember... The only memory I have of seeing it... It's been probably like four years. Is like... I was watching it and I was like... Wow. Roy Scheider definitely does not want to be making this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it seems like it goes... It seems very long, too. Like, some sequences are, like, very extended. Like, it takes its time getting going. Like, kind of establishes some not very interesting stuff. Um... I think it was okay. It was fine to throw on in the background while I was working, but it's kind of disappointing. It's the best Jaws sequel. Well, I still got three and four to go, so we'll see what, what happens. Jaws X. Back from the dead. Jaws X in space. <laughs> What's that one of that Jason movie? Jaws Back from Hell. Jaws Goes to Hell? Jaws goes to hell, yeah. Jaws v. Jason. Jason, <laughs> Jason v. Jaws. <laughs> I'd watch that, fuck. Um, I only got one other thing to talk about. I watched, uh, I watched Crazy Rich Asians again. Again? I realize you've seen it before. Yeah, I've seen it once before. I really enjoyed it the first time. And the second time, I, I know what's happening. It's not that that ruins it, everything. It's just... It's just... I don't know. I, I don't get me wrong. I was still entertained. I still liked the movie. It's just kind of seemed to lose a little spark from the first time I saw it to the second time. <laughs> don't well, quite know this what this is. art, not entertainment, so it's not going to feel the same the second oh way around. Gosh. Ah, whatever. Oh, I liked it, though. I thought the performance by the main character was kind of bad. Um, but You're saying Constance like, Wu is a bad actress? Have you seen Hustlers? Mm, my gosh. Yeah, I did. I still hold strong. Um, but ultimately, the movie was not that good. Aquafina was pretty good. Um, I like the world that they build. I like the story. I don't know. Just didn't hit as hard this time. I remember that. watching that movie and thinking, wow, who cares? Well, that's probably because like, when you watched it around the time, there was so much hype about it. Like There was so much hype about that movie. I don't really know why. I don't know why it was so huge either. I think it was just because it was like an all-Asian cast or something. There's tons of movies that do that. Yeah, but 
This one was like, yeah, but this one was like a a huge Hollywood like production. I'm pretty sure, wasn't it? I I don't know. I don't know. I I watched it thinking like, well, if it's if this is the reaction, there must be something somewhat different about it. That's just not your standard romantic comedy. Then it's your standard romantic comedy, and it's. I mean, who cares? I still enjoyed it. It's not just. Like, I thought it women, looked really cool. So I don't care. Not just go with it. They don't go to an island where Dave Matthews is. I don't care. (laughs) There's no coconut ass cheek play. Doesn't really matter. Crazy Rich Asians. Never seen it. Will probably never see it. (laughs) But we'll watch Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. But I'm definitely going to watch that, yeah, for sure. For sure. Chris, here's the real question for you. Hmm. Is Crazy Rich Asians better than The Scorpion King? (laughs) No, dude. (laughs) No. You kidding me? All I'm saying is that Crazy Rich Asians didn't want to make me go online and buy a replica Scorpion King bracelet. It's the bracelet of Anubis. The bracelet of Anubis. The Scorpion King bracelet. Whatever. It didn't make me want to buy a 3D printed gold bracelet of Anubis. Hey, in case you were wondering, all of the Scorpion King sequels are on Netflix. Oh, solid. Is next next week decided? (laughs) Yeah, sounds like it is. Sorry, Army of the Dead. We have a marathon we gotta do. Oh my gosh, they all are. Wow. Zach, you got anything else? I watched the first three episodes of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Yeah, it's a lot of it's so it's good fun. Where'd you watch that? It's on Netflix. Dude. You're finding all the gems on Netflix. It's like all like ninety episodes are on Netflix. Whoa, that's pretty cool. 90 episodes, huh? Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I guess last thing I'll briefly mention real quick. This one was for Chris. I watched Superbad. Mmm. Classic. My, I think my favorite part of the entire movie is the opening credits. Uh, oh, that's it's a cool... Like, it's just like their shadows dancing or whatever. It's a cool sequence, but it's your favorite? Yeah, I love that part. Oh, man. There's just so many gems. Like, my favorite part is when the cops are busting up the party, and then they open up the door, and Bill Hader's like, oh, no, it's the cops. <laughs> and then Seth Rogen walks in, he's like, get ready to be fucked by the long dick of the law. <laughs> I guess a low-key line that definitely made me laugh was when Seth Rogen's talking about, like, the disappointments of life, and he's like, I thought when I signed up to be a cop that there would just be cum everywhere. He's like, he's like, if a if a guy had cum at that liquor store, we'd have caught no problem. But sadly, no cum. Story of my life. <laughs> I still love when he's like talking to the the cashier. He's like, does he look like me or did he look more like you? And he's like. <laughs> No, he, he he looked more like you. He's like, oh, so he's a Jew. And like, 
I thought it was always crazy that Bill Hader did do more movie than with these guys because he seems to like hit their style perfectly. I really, there's always like things when I watch this movie that I didn't notice before, like when they're in the convenience store at the beginning, and uh, Jonah Hill's just going on. He's like, "Yeah, Evan, I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know if Becca could take dick. That's all I'm saying." Like, <laughs> like talking about this in like openly in the convenience store. <laughs> Where'd you watch that? Where'd you own it? I own it, but I was just like scrolling through Netflix and I didn't feel like going to the other room, so I just watched it on Netflix. I was about to say, that seems like a good movie to watch tonight. Yeah. Um, That's it for me. I played a lot of Super Smash Bros. this week. Save that for the game podcast. Ah, yes. Zach, anything for you? That's it. So we're gonna we are gonna do Army of the Dead next week. Might as well. Correct. I'm excited for it. Cool. Anything else you guys want to mention before we sign off here? I'm excited for that runtime. How long is it? Not. You're not excited for the runtime? Two and a half hours. Haven't you already seen it? No. Oh, you haven't. Oh. Where do you watch it? Watch it. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Okay. Yeah, I am curious about the runtime for sure. We'll see. I've, I mean, I, I hear it's fun, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm I also excited. have a lot of questions already. Okay. Well, we'll see if they get answered next week. <clears throat> uh, but as always, thank you for downloading. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a review of Army of the Dead. As always, keep staying safe out there. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. I want to know... First off, joking about Joe Rogan being pussy could easily kick my ass ten times a Sunday. You think you could take a punch from Joe Rogan? Yes. So do I. One. I could take one individual punch, but if he gets anything after that, you can consider me dead. How much money would you have to be paid to let John Jones kick you in the head? I mean, it depends. Like, okay, first off, I'm never taking a kick for any amount of money. What? Kicks? No, gosh, no. A kick? Dude, think about how much power is behind that. Think about how much money you could get. Okay, but I don't think John Jones is going to put up the money to kick me in the head to like, no, satisfy my some, needs. Some promoter is going to put give you the money. Okay. Like, Some promoter calls you and is like, we're willing to offer you $10 million to take a kick in the head from John Jones. Yeah, You're going to say no? No, I'm going to say yes? Are you kidding me? $10 million? Dude, there's there's not much I wouldn't do for $10 million. <laughs> that That's a pretty high number, okay? I would... It would just be sick if they called you up and were like, we just want to prove what John Jones's kick against the average man does. You got to get kicked in the head on video for ESPN. <laughs> What's like the lowest you'd go for that? $500,000. That's pretty low. If my medical bills were covered after that, like on top of the money that I'm getting... I'd probably do it for like, fuck it, 100k. So 100,000 plus medical expenses, and you're in. Sure. I'm not okay. going to the hospital. I'm just gonna sleep it off. 
Fuck you, <laughs> sleeping that shit off. Yeah, you'd sleep and never wake up. I'm pocketing five hundred thousand dollars. Fucking gosh. First uh, off, she... I have a feeling like they wouldn't go for the head though. Like if that's what they're trying, if that's what the event's for, they can't. They're not going to be able to measure by like a shot to the head. So he definitely like stomach shot. What like yeah? What about like a snap kick to the chest? Cat kick to the ribs, and then and do I have to just like stand there and take it, or like no, do you I have to, to just take it? Do I get to like bob and weave? And, like, I mean, I think he, I think he will let you bob and weave, but like, I don't think you're any match you're, for John Jones. Yeah, ultimately, you're taking one to the chest. Yeah. What if yeah. you had to take like a leg kick from him? Like he had to uh, kick you below the knee. My leg would break. Like that's yeah. guaranteed. <laughs> It's possible. These guys, these guys in the UFC or like even MMA fighters, just in general, train their legs to take leg kicks. I okay, get well, up the stairs and I'm winded. I'm not trying to be mean. Like, if if you if you were in a UFC fight tomorrow, right? You're fighting heavyweight. Sure. John Jones is a light heavyweight. Your legs might have some girth to them that could take a kick. He no would way. snap mine like a twig. My legs are pretty toned, so I guess, like, if he was kicking calf, maybe? Well, I mean, you don't kick shin, because then you risk breaking your foot. Yeah, but then again, that's against an MMA fighter and not... How about upper thigh? Upper thigh. Just a real quick snap. If it's a quick snap, dude, I would do it for probably 20k. On top of medical expenses. That seems low. Oh, on top of... Okay. Mm, That's still low. I at least need to be walking out with my loans covered. What? Like, for him, you wouldn't take $20,000 for John Jones to kick you in the thigh? Like, just like a quick snap, too. Like, if he's, like, following through, like, winding back as hard as he can and twisting and kicking, I'm mopping that dollar amount a little bit. He he wouldn't, though, because that's how you you break an ankle. Yeah. Like, this is going to be, like, a quick kick to the... To the thigh. Yeah, and I feel like, what did I say, 20K? Yeah, I feel like 20K is a good amount. I'd do it for that. Anything to the head, six figures, easy. Anything to the head, six figures, easy. But at least. If we're talking like abdomen, thigh, ball, Okay, off, here's another off, question actually. for you. How much... Your eyes have to be closed. You don't know when it's coming. But Francis Ngannou gets to just give you a right hook to the fucking face. No way, dude. <laughs> There's no way I could take that eyes closed. I don't know who that person is. Just look him up, dude. He's crazy. What's He's his a name? madman. Francis Ngannou. Francis? Ngannou. Uh, How do you spell it? Oh, right there. Agnew? Yeah. N-G-A-N. That should give you enough. A-G-A-N? N-G. Oh, N-G. Yeah. He is, like, one of the most well-defined eight-packs, six-packs I've ever seen in my life. Oh, this guy. Okay, sure. I've never seen him before, but he looks jacked. It looks like a punch to the face from him would really hurt. Just like, like look at the lot. size of his forearms, dude. Yeah, it's pretty. Like his forearm seems to be the size of my calf. 
How much money would you have to be paid for him to put his entire penis in your mouth? Entire penis? Yeah. I mean, I guess it all depends on, like, how big the penis is. Look at the guy. You can make some assumptions. I think you could also use that same argument in reverse, though. <laughs> I don't oh. think so. Look at his size. Chris, you gotta, you gotta take this. How much? Ready? Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, top five finishes. Fighting out of the blue corner. Is he... Oh my fucking <laughs> god! Head against the. Imagine like head against like a solid surface, and that guy's just teeing off on you. Yeah, imagine. That's ferocity. Oh my gosh, look at that man. Yeah, you gotta take that. No way. This guy always in the blue corner. There's no way. See, like, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to watch video of it happen and then try to put a number to it. Number one knockout? They're not ranked. It's just his top five. Who's who's the oh. guy? Who's the guy that not... um, went for a head kick, got his foot caught, and then spun around the other way and kicked the guy in the head, and knocked him out? Oh, uh, he's not like a big name. He just did something cool. Okay. I don't remember he's what his name is. Cool. <laughs> that was one of the coolest knockouts I've ever seen. Cool than anything I've done. Sometimes when I'm bored, I'll just go on YouTube and I'll watch, like, cool UFC knockouts. That's one of the coolest I've seen. It's a pretty cool one. Uh. Chris, you uh. know, I had to show... You you know who the superhuman is, right? The superhuman? Superhuman is YouTube channel. Oh oh no, I don't. The uh the juggalo kid that like hurts himself on purpose. Oh, okay, yes, then yes I do. <laughs> yes I do. I had to show Autumn one of his videos today because she had never seen one before. Oh my gosh. This who is guy, this? This guy's incredible. I do this for my juggalos and my juggalettes. Woo woo. Woo woo. He's incredible. Not incredible, but. Okay. I'm looking at this guy's thing, and he's like, he's doing a butt buster onto gusset plates, cheese graters, light tubes, and barbed wire. But he's doing it off of a trampoline. Yeah, that's what he always does. Not always. Off a trampoline. So, oh, man. He must have some, so, like, so, this so is many what, scars on his back. So this guy starts every video with, this is for my juggalos and my juggalettes. He takes his shirt off. He slaps his chest and yells, fuck this shit. And then he jumps onto, like, something that's going to hurt him. Okay. Cool. He's still able so to make is, videos. But wasn't, this like, is toy cars... Legos and tax strips. 
What? Shoe Nice is still making videos. Judy, put one out a month ago eating a raw ribeye steak, one pound. That's not good for you. <laughs> he chugged a bottle of wine in 13 seconds. <laughs> what the fuck? He put out a video three months ago where he took a Sharpie and colored it all over his head, and he said, Sharpie head loves his raw steak. What? The internet's a wild place. Shoe nice is crazy, dude. How he many? Drinks, he drinks stink like stink bomb called liquid ass. How many views does this guy get? Shoe nice? Yeah. Shoe nice gets like twenty thousand. Thirty thousand? Yeah. Some anywhere between like ten to thirty thousand it looks like. Enough to that's, make a living. That's nothing. Is that enough to make a living? Yeah. That's bullshit. That's that a bunch of our episodes get removed from Spotify? Not that I know of. I just went there right now and there's only 55. Oh, why is it so weird out of order? What the hell? I don't know. I don't use Spotify as my choice of... Looking at it? I just don't know why it's all weird. Oh, okay, that's a little better. Hmm. What if they're all, all there? Of our, what if they all get? Yeah, no, they're off? there now. Let's see, which one did you say was missing in the fifties? No, it's like number thirty-nine. They went really far back there. Yeah, so number yeah, thirty-nine is missing. Gone. Yeah. And huh. number twenty-eight looks like. Is it 28? Looks like it. Yep. Pretty bizarre. (laughs) I'm ready to start recording if you guys are. I'm going to grab some lip balm first. One second. Why would you call it lip balm? Weirdo. You think it's the Mountain Dew flavored one? Knowing him, probably. <laughs> Code Red. You think Code Red lip balm comes with double XP for Call of Duty? I know it's going to take you a long time to get through it. You might not be able to get through it in Call of Duty weekend. Well, that would be crazy if you had to go all the way through the tube of chapstick just to get your code at the end. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good way to ensure repeat purchases. That'd be cool. Like, as you keep on scrolling it, you get let more. You, as you keep rolling it, rolling it, all of a sudden a little piece of paper comes out that you then unroll, and that's what your XP codes on. Chris, do you use Mountain Dew flavored chapstick? No. I used to have a code red one though. Was probably the best time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What? That's what I was said we're using. <laughs> Code red's the shit. Do you go, how often do you go to the gas station next to your house and get nice 32 ounce polar ice of uh, Code Red? 
Never. But regrettably, I don't. I really like Code Red. Packs. Yeah, dude, always got to be prepared. Why have a night of fun when you can have 12 nights of fun? You're buying a 12-pack of Code Red and you're spacing out over 12 days? No, I'm not buying any Code Red because I haven't drinking Code Red in years. I like to save it for special occasions. You know, weddings, bar mitzvahs, funerals. The big three. I want a Code Red funeral. <laughs> if you die before I do, I'll throw you a Code Red funeral. I'll pull in I'll pull in with like 18, 12 packs of Code Red and your mom will be like, oh, because I assume you're going to die before she does. She's going to be like, <laughs> oh, Chris, why are you bringing Code Red to my son's funeral? And I'm going to say it's because it's what he would have wanted. I want you I'm going to have an open casket and I want you to like open my mouth and just pour a full Code Red down <laughs> my throat. I'm going to do you up better. Take- I'm going to lower your body into a vat of Code Red and just let it dissolve you. <laughs> I'm going to take I'm going to I'm going to pry open your hand. That's probably been wired shut and I'm just going to shove a Code Red can so you're holding it as you get lowered down. <laughs> so you're holding one for all of eternity. <laughs> I want my ashes to be put in a Code Red 2 liter bottle. <laughs> Done. Oh my fucking gosh! Yeah, yeah, consider it done, dude. <laughs> this is all on recording, so like we have something to reference back. That's These true. were this his final a, wishes. A true will and testament. This is an official thing. You have two witnesses right here. Sorry, Leanne. It's what he said he wanted. I, I really, I'm sorry. I'm bad for the person who gets my ashes and they have to display a code red to buy. You feel bad for that person? It's gonna be awesome. We'll get like one of those water fountains, and we'll just have it constantly spewing code red. Or like we'll get one of those like little peeing babies that they have in fountains. Just get a little peeing. Just get a little. Just get a little peeing Zach, and it's pumping code red. (laughs) Consider it done.